You're listening to the Tigers Minor League Report Network, your home for Detroit Tigers MLB and MILB podcasts, news, analysis, and scouting. Welcome to another episode of Tigers SRD on the Tiger Minor League Report Network and the Overtime Media Network. I'm Roger Seal. Alongside me is Chris Brown. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartMedia, Stitcher, and Google Play. Follow the Tiger League Minor Report at Tigers ML Report and our new Facebook page, Tigers Minor League Report. And, of course, if you have not yet, follow our Twitter account at Tigers SRD Podcast. So we've gained some couple followers the last couple weeks, so we appreciate that. So coming up tonight... Stacy's not going to be able to join us. I know I said something about that on Twitter, but she had something come up. So, unfortunately, she will not be joining us, but it's okay. Probably schedule something towards the beginning of the season, but we'll get to that. There's plenty of, plenty of baseball news going on, including spring training and the start of the regular season has been postponed with the coronavirus, and I owe everybody an apology. Now, Chris, I know last week I said the coronavirus was a little bit, what I thought was a little overhyped, a little bit kind of like a fear thing and you know i was wrong and it's a serious thing and schools are getting canceled the ncaa tournament's been canceled which is you know them chris i mean the, the ncaa would not cancel yeah, I mean, you're talking anything. yeah millions and millions and millions of dollars i just i'm just reading that uh trudeau's wife in canada has tested positive for coronavirus oh lovely covid19 uh, so he, the the Prime Minister of Canada, will be in isolation for 14 days. So, yeah, this is <laughs> everything's fine, all is well. I actually, I honestly don't even remember you talking about it last week. Uh, maybe that makes me a bad co-host. Um, no, but I, I think a lot of people. I think I think all of us, as a country, uh, as sports fans, as everything, this this uh, didn't really take it that seriously because. And we talked about this before the show. All, all these other incidents, the various SARS, and I think I mentioned monkeypox, you know, they always just kind of were really far away and they didn't come to the United States more than like maybe a handful of cases. So we just kind of expect that that won't happen here and that we'll have a functioning <laughs> government to protect us. And not so much right now. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of insane. I, I can't. Uh, it's hard to describe, really. I mean, it's just all sports are basically gone for March. Um, maybe April and the D will return. Um, I don't think it matters much to Pistons fans or Red Wings fans, although I don't know if the Pistons got screwed out of a good draft pick because of this. But, uh, yeah, it's it's kind of... I mean, it's kind of silly to say this as a baseball podcast, but it's kind of... we, we got to put things into perspective and not care about sports so much right now. But it's hard because sports are what kind of keep our minds off uh, the real world a lot of times. And so, I don't know, we'll still be here providing people with, I don't know, 15 minutes of entertainment out of every hour. Uh, you know, uh, we have a pretty decent retention rate. I mean, as uh, I found out, Eddie, <laughs> Eddie, Eddie, Yeah, I'm just, I'm just, I was just joking that maybe 45 minutes aren't all that fun. Oh, all right. Well, but, yeah, 
Okay, that, that, I, that it's a self-deprecation. Sense. Hopefully, people enjoy listening to us uh, when they do. Yeah, you know we we are the kings of self-deprecation, so that makes a lot of sense. But uh, That's, speaking of which, the self-quarantining doesn't that sound like a, a euphemism for masturbation? <laughs> so, like like, a, I'm gonna go uh, self-quarantine. I've been self-quarantining since I was a young boy. Yeah, you um, know, self-quarantine. Anyway. Yeah, self-quarantine is the yeah. best way to uh, <laughs> yeah com- combat things. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Um, but no, it's. So Livonia, by the way, is a city in Wayne County that has a Corona nineteen or the COVID nineteen strand. So some people freaking They've out. They've got a case in Livonia now. Yeah, it's Livonia. It was the Wayne County city that was, and there was a in Dearborn, the school. It was Whitmore Bull, Whitmore Bulls, which is actually about six blocks away from where I live, had contact. I guess one of the employees there was. In contact with somebody, apparently, I'm not really sure. So I don't, I don't. But there's, there's the hysteria and stuff like that. I just go ahead. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's no, it's, uh, it's everywhere. It's just because we haven't been able to test it. It is obviously everywhere. Um, and and so this is the responsible thing is to close down all these sports. So you do these, these so-called social distancing, which many people have been practicing their whole lives, not by choice, but <laughs> now. A lot of people have to do it, it and it's the best for now. I, hopefully, it will curb like a severe outbreak. Um, I, I, you know, it's funny. As I was leaving work yesterday, I told my friend, "I'm like, yeah, you know, I think it's just going to get bigger. I think uh, it'll be like you know, in a week, uh, and we'll hear about some famous people getting it, and then a week after that, it'll be our neighbors." And it was like a day later that night. Tom Hanks. Yeah, Tom Hanks. And t- t- today, I found out my friend. His his girlfriend in Florida is in quarantine, uh, and she may have it. So it's just like, yeah, it's insane. It's how quickly this is happening. Yeah, I mean the Tom Hanks. I mean, the more the bosom buzzy superstar he was, and I'm just, I mean he's done a lot more than that. Yeah. But I, it, to me, even like uh, the one of the things that stands out above everything else is China already has some temporary hospitals, and they seem like they've not been in growing cases and able to calm it down quite a bit so that's a yeah. that's a positive sign well there's there's so there's part of that a so-called like a picture going around of china built like this fabulous hospital in one day and it was fake it was fake from china trying to you know boost themselves up it was actually an apartment building that had already been built so i don't know how much to trust from them but also it's kind of a lot easier to control something like this when you've got an authoritarian government because <laughs> they you know, I mean, let's be real, and I, I'm not trying to be xenophobic or anything like that, but China will uh, crack down pretty hard on anybody not uh, obeying. And, um, you know, and, and I mean, they shut they shut off an entire province, like a gigantic province. They just shut it down. Um, and that helped. So, you know, is, is that what we want to do? Do we want to shut down the entire state? Do we want to shut down the state of Washington? Like, that there's a certain element of democracy and freedom that, like, I don't think we will allow certain measures like that without totally freaking out. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that the responses from different countries have been have been better. South Korea was fantastic. Italy is a disaster. Although I did see, I did see there there. I think everybody's confined to their house. The entire country is confined to their house for 30 days. I think in Italy. Uh, and I saw that Pornhub was giving people free premium accounts all month. Isn't Pornhub <laughs> free anyway? So I don't. 
<laughs> well, apparently there's a pre. Yeah, so I, I, uh, I don't use Pornhub, but uh, apparently there's a like a free and a premium version, and the premium everybody's getting a premium. I don't know what the difference is. Uh, yeah, I don't either. I could research that. I could research that, but that's not this kind of show. No, it's not that kind of show, and it's uh, not. But anyway, yeah, it's just it's kind of crack, cracks me up. I mean, like that. That could be where we're just like everybody has to stay inside for a month. I hope it doesn't get that bad. It's it's that bad in other places in the world, and, and so I wouldn't be surprised if it gets that bad. Yeah, I mean, I I'm glad where I work, we're taking pre- preemptive measures. I was in Grand Rapids earlier in the week for for a conference, and I was able to. That was fine, and there was no issues there, and it was it was all wavy gravy. And so for this, really, I mean, before we move on to actual baseball conversation. Just be careful and just use common sense, and that's all you can say. And the, the, what, I mean, because the reason why I was mentioning because last week I was talking about, oh, it's all media hype, it's all a little overdone, and and in my effort to just kind of tell myself, I hope that's what the case is. And, and the more I saw, the more things came out, especially in Spain. Like I talked to my cousin, I have a couple cousins over there, and the cases jumped up in Spain, and he said basically because one of my cousins is a waiter, and it's a ghost town. It is becoming a ghost town, and, and he yeah. this restaurant shut down. I think it was Tuesday. Yeah, he was telling me Tuesday, and yeah, it was it was done. So there you go. I mean, it's yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's amazing how like we just think about it. So we you had me invited me out to that that Foling thing last Thursday, right? Yeah, that was by the way. Thanks for everybody who came out there or, or came up to see us. Yeah, hey. I um I don't know if anybody who works Pistons games was there. But that would have been, I don't know if that was before or after the Pistons played the Jazz, but like it's oh, that crap. Easy I didn't t- think like, about that. Yeah. Oh, oh no. <laughs> like, like, like Rudy Gobert has it. Maybe pass it to somebody uh, working in the media there. They come and we're playing football with them and, and throwing it around, and suddenly we have, you know, like, it's, it's that easy. Holy crap, Chris. No, I didn't even think about that. Damn it, man. Just, it just hit me with a ton of bricks. <laughs> I did I I did get a call I did get a cold over the weekend, but like I said, I it's a wet cough. Uh so I'm not too concerned. But you know, yeah, it's it's uh yeah, start, sorry though. <laughs> yeah, but like that's just the way. I mean th- these things move so quickly and easily. It's uh but, I don't know. But by the way, I mean the, he, you know, is, he he him like going and touching all the mics on Monday was such a Dick move, and then you find out two days later he's sick. It's like the ultimate well, irony. Yeah, I mean that's that's. I think that's just indicative of of the way we all kind of viewed it. We didn't think it was like a real threat. We didn't we didn't really take it seriously. I, I'm sure you know some people did. It's very much like those uh like the, the disaster movies where like uh Almost what's like the day after tomorrow. Yeah, where like uh, I'm telling you, there's gonna be a giant cold storm. Uh, shut up, and then boom! Like, uh, yeah, there, there were probably scientists trying to warn us, uh, and we and didn't for listen. A long time. Well, this yeah. is what we get. Yeah, it, it's to me. I, I don't like it's the those disaster movies come in spades too. Is one there's a period of time in the seventies, and then there's a period of time in the oh, late nineties yeah. that came out like that. So, um, yeah, that's a good point. There was, uh, yeah, you had like the, the earthquake and the towering inferno and all that stuff in the seventies, and then the nineties you had. Independence Day was a disaster movie, basically. And then, like, Dante's Peak and Volcano were, like, the same summer. And Armageddon and, and Deep Impact. And then maybe nothing for, like, another decade. Then you had uh, Day After Tomorrow and, was it, 2012? 
and San Andreas. And San, then yeah. The, yeah. So yeah, every 10 years there's a disaster movie. That's a good theory. I have to look into that. Yeah. I mean, we could, like I said, we have plenty of content for days. We could, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could, t- we could talk about bad movies all day long. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of it too, but, uh, yeah, might as well talk about baseball while there's still baseball to talk about. Yeah. So while there is baseball to talk about, let's talk about the Tigers in terms of uh, prospects, in terms of things that are going on before spring training ended. So a couple moves happened on March 10th as Kyle Funkhauser and John Schreiber, Sergio Alcantara, Isaac, or Isak Paredes, Daz Cameron, and Derek Hill are all sent to AAA Toledo for now as Eddie Badjack reminded me that potentially it could go somewhere else. He's absolutely right. And also, Eddie suggest Eddie listens to us at one and a half speed. So I didn't really like. Uh-huh. So I, I so I did that last week. I after Eddie said that, so I'm like, you know what? Let's see how I sound at one and a half speed. And it's a world of difference. I sound even faster than I do now. So all that <laughs> stuff was in my head a little bit, but uh, so well, yeah. I mean, I I listen to every podcast at either one and a half or two times speed. And uh, yeah, it annoys the hell out of anybody else who's listening. But the big difference is when you go back. When you go back from like two times speed to one. It's like that trampoline effect, you know, when you yeah. jump on a trampoline and then get on the ground and you can't jump for more than like half an inch. It's like it sounds like the people are like, "Hey, fella, <laughs> how's it going?" <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, there's so many podcasts and so much interesting content content out there. That, like, it's like, why not listen to one at half speed? Right. So no, no, you're right. You speed right through it, and it made it more efficient. Uh, Anthony Castro, who I thought was going to make the team. As a reliever, was sent back to Double A Erie. Frank Franklin Perez started will be in Lakeland. And of course, Wentz, Chris Moreno, Pinto Johnson, and or Cooper Johnson I should say, and John Nunez all sent back to minor league camp. Who was still in camp before camp ended was Mize, Matt Manning, Turk Subal, and Alex Fado. And so. You know, Derek, or excuse me, Scoople had a, a start where he went. He went. What he went four? Was it three? He went three innings, correct? On that start, he had uh, almost three. I think two and two yep. thirds. His most recent start against the Astros. Yeah, yeah. I think he got up to what, forty-five, fifty pitches, and they pulled him out. I think who else is Troy Stokes is still? Yeah, Tr- still on yeah. The, he's still still yeah. in camp. He's still in camp. He's also on the forty-man. So. Yeah, I mean, Hill was too, right? Hill and so. Yeah, I mean. But anyway. Um, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, I was just saying that I was trying to think of, of you know, so-called prospects who are still in camp. Um, no, no, was, I took, no I mean, Hill, some, some of the relievers too, I think. Let's yeah. see, I don't know. Was he? Hill, Willie Castro is technically still a prospect. I think he was still in camp. Yeah, Hill, yeah, Hill went back. Yeah, Hill was in Toledo now. Jake with, Rogers. Which I, I think Derek Hill is going to probably start in Toledo. I think Derek Hill is going to start in Toledo. Yeah, no, I, I would think so too. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think so. Rogers, Castro, like Brian Garcia, basically the guys who who debuted last year. Yeah. So, <clears throat> anyway, yeah, I mean, you know, this was the season starts was well, <laughs> season was going to start in two weeks, so the cuts were getting real, and they were starting to stretch guys out, and, and yeah. So. And we saw the uh, Jody Mercer PR hype machine starting up by Jason Jason Beck or not Jason Beck actually was Christina De, De Noka started a did a story on Jody Mercer. Oh, by the way, excuse me. Yeah, no, I mean it. It, 
it definitely felt like Mercer was going to make the team and probably Nick Ramirez. Um, in terms of, I think neither of those guys are on the 40 man right now. Um, and it felt like they were going to going to make the squad just by the way they were playing and well, the, the, the way they had Mercer playing everywhere. Um, so yeah, I mean, this is all kind of thrown into flex. The one thing I saw, somebody retweeted, uh, like a, a Diamondbacks beat writer had a really nice rundown of, of the information they had, which was that the Diamondbacks were basically going to keep all the players in the same place uh, just because they felt it was probably safer and more prudent to, to, to do that rather than send them all across the country, which I agree with. So they were probably, it was basically just going to be continued training for a couple of weeks. And the, the plan was to theoretically start the season, keep the, keep the current schedule and just start from whenever they can which would be, I don't know, April 15th or May 1st, as I, I, I speculated earlier today. So, But that's I, obviously this is all dependent on what happens over the next few weeks, What uh, how this thing gets contained and handled, if at all. Yeah, and you would hope you would hope it does get contained. And, and at some point you would – I don't know. <laughs> that's another rant for another day, but we'll, we'll – we'll, Yeah, I mean, we'll, I, think, I think we will eventually get to a point where there will be – Hopefully, tests will be plentiful so people can go and find out and, and everyone, like no one will be wanting for a coronavirus test. And that way, anybody who tests positive can isolate themselves. And it'll be a strange couple of months like that, I think, and then we may go around in cycles. But for the most part, once we can do that, hopefully the hospitals won't be overwhelmed and, and we can start getting back to like regular regular life where, you know, some people might have to go into the doctor because they've got coronavirus and other people might not. And, and, and yeah, it'll be fine, but that's the hope. We'll see. Yeah. And like I said, I mean, we'll, we're all Corona out here and it's, it, it's, it's weird that no sports are going on. It's, I mean, like I said, there's plenty of, uh, plenty of conversation to come up that could be non-baseball related on the podcast. But as we continue on, Chris, I'm not sure about you, but the one thing about this whole chaos and what have you is that the still the, the hatred and the weirdness between the Houston Astros and everybody else still is going around. And it was I watched a uh, I watched some of the they were still getting hit by the hits batsmen, just the the booing that that has not stopped at all. Yeah, maybe this will uh, rescue them. I saw somebody, I don't know if they were playing the Braves, and they were playing uh, I Saw the Sign by Ace of Base over the, uh, the <laughs> yes, right. speakers, which I thought was I thought was well done. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like I said before, man, this this is just this. I mean, it's, it's, it's callous to put it in, in this terms, but you got a pandemic here to end the baseball offseason, which has already been like the most tumultuous and interesting baseball offseason I can remember. And there's just never, ever going to be anything like this, uh, I, I, hopefully. So, yeah, you know, we, we were hoping for baseball to start so we could stop talking about this nonsense. But uh, now we got some more nonsense to talk about. So, yeah, I don't know. So uh, let's go inside. Let's go inside the numbers real quick. And Chris, I'll, I'll let you lead off the in, your inside the number. All right. Well, uh, so. My inside the number for this week is six and two. That um, so is that a Chicago song, isn't it? Six two four, well, six two four, isn't it? I I don't know. <laughs> I I don't doubt you on matters of Chicago. 
but uh, I am not talking about Chicago this time. I'm 20, talking it's, about twenty five or six two or six two four. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, <laughs> all right. This. Go ahead. <laughs> um, this is uh, six is the number of times since the year twenty ten that a starting pitcher in Major League Baseball finished in the top ten in strikeouts per nine uh, while posting an ERA over four and a half. So six out of one hundred times, basically 10, 10 pitchers every year since twenty ten. It's happened six times. And two is the number of times that has happened where a pitcher finished in the top 10 in strikeouts per nine with a FIP over 4.3. So 2% of the time. Uh, those six players, if you're interested. 2011, Brandon Morrow. 2010, uh, Tim Lincecum. He was one of the two with a, a, a FIP over over 4.3. Uh, oh, no, he wasn't. Only one over 4.3. My mistake. Uh, he had 4.3 walks per nine. Uh, but anyway, and then three in 2016, which is kind of odd, just randomly. So there's one in 2011, one in 2012, and three in 2016. John Gray, Michael Pineda, and Robbie Ray. And then, of course, in 2019, our friend Matthew Boyd was sixth in strikeouts per nine with 11.56 and yet managed to put up a 4.56 ERA and a 4.32 FIP, uh, despite only walking 2.4 per nine, which is the lowest walk total of any of the six. Uh, but... I think you could probably guess what the problem was there. His home runs per nine innings, 1.89, dwarfs anybody else. More than half, uh, half a run, home run more than anybody else. So that's that's the, the main issue there. But I mean, the point is how, how rare it is to see somebody who's that dominant in one regard, striking people out at, at such a high rate, and then still posting a bad ERA, and even more rare is a bad FIP. Sometimes the... The ERAs, for the most part, it just seems like bad luck. So, like in Robbie Ray's case, he had a 4.9 ERA, but his FIP was 3.76. Pinedas was 4.8, but uh, 3.8 FIP. John Gray, 4.6 ERA, 3.6 FIP. Lincecum was bad, 5.18, and then 4.18. Uh, that's because he was walking so many people. But yeah, so it's the, the home runs killed Matthew Boyd last year, um, and and really that's uh, he had the seventh most home runs per nine of any pitcher since 2010. So this was just, you know, we all knew this. We talked about it last year, probably. Um, but the good news, possibly, is, is that historically, at least, strikeout rates have a high year-to-year correlation, meaning, uh, you know, you strike out a bunch of guys one year, you're likely to do it again the next year, or more likely, whereas home run rates per nine have a very low correlation, um, traditionally. And you could kind of do an unscientific Search of that if you want. Just look at fan graphs. This like what I did. You know, I looked at the top uh, top thirty of the the last uh, decade in terms of home runs per nine seasons. And only two players show up twice out of the top thirty um, home run homers per nine innings. Uh, Jacob Junis is on there twice, and so is Rick Porcello. But if you do the top thirty strikeouts per nine over the last decade, you get seven different pitchers who show up at least twice. So you can see it's it's more of a repeatable skill. You got you Darvish, Justin Verlander, Jacob Degrom, Garrett Cole, and Chris Sale all did it twice. Robbie Ray did it three times. Wouldn't have guessed that. And Max wow. Scherzer did it six. So is it with home runs, Chris? For that, do you think it's when when a pitcher makes an adjustment, or it could be decrease in velocity or what have you that would cause that inconsistency there or not consistency there? Well, I think generally speaking, home runs are uh, a lot of it is is luck. It's temperature of the day you pitched, where the balls went when you, you know, that 
for a long time, people thought that and that's why fielding independent pitching was, hey, you just keep keep an idea of the things the pitchers can control. Um, it's 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 hard to control for home runs. And then, but the the problem with Matthew Boyd last year is it's like it's hard to know what to think about the new baseball and what what kind of baseball they're going to have this year if they play. It's uh, like. Like I said, historically, the numbers suggest Boyd won't give up nearly as many home runs and that he would probably will strike out as many people. But I wouldn't bet money on it <laughs> this year. But uh, I will say this, and this is something that I, I didn't notice, and I've, unfortunately I've forgotten who did. Somebody on Twitter, probably one of those fantasy baseball people. Uh, but they compare Matthew Boyd's StatCast data to Shane Bieber's. And Bieber, of course, was you know had the huge breakout season for the Indians, was uh, put up five-and-a-half war season, 3-2 ADRA. And... Uh, you compare his stat cast numbers to, to Boyd, and it's kind of, uh, I don't know, shocking. Boyd had the same sweet spot percentage as Bieber, uh, but he gave up fewer barrels, a, a lower average exit velocity, a lower expected batting average, a lower expected slugging, a lower expected weight on base average, a much lower hard hit rate, uh, 34.7 to 43.1. Bieber was actually one of the highest in baseball, and they had the exact same strikeout rate. Boyd was only, he had a higher walk rate by a little bit, not not too much and a higher average launch angle. That was the only difference, basically. So, I don't know, maybe that means nothing. Maybe it means Shane Bieber is due for, like, a huge regression. Maybe Matt Boyd is due for a much better season. Maybe it's a mix of both. But, I don't know, I just thought it was interesting that, that we saw something really anomalous with Matthew Boyd last year. And it'll be interesting to see what happens this year. Yeah, I mean, in the, I know this, this curveball is getting a lot of talk this discussed his curveball's been a lot tighter it's been better in camp so speaking of strikeouts though this was it goes into my inside number this week so there's two numbers to be considered concerned with here 23 percent and 15.2 percent and the first number is the overall strikeout rate last year among hitters and the, the reason why i bring this up and then the 15.2 i'll get to in a second so a baseball prospectus, Matt Trueblood, Matthew Trueblood did a batter strikeout rates matter again. And the reason why it matters here, and, and it, was, it, was a, it was fascinating because we, we, we I didn't even think about this in the past, but overall strikeout rate last year was 23%. So he put Alonzo, who struck out 26.4% of the time, only struck out a little bit higher above the average. The average strikeout rate in 1991 was 15.2, but two of the top five hitters in baseball, which were Danny Tarble, ah, look at that, another mm-hmm. Danny Tarble reference, and Jose Canseco, <laughs> fanned 21.7 and 22.9% of the time. In 2019, five of the top six hitters had strikeout rates at least 2.7 percentages below the league average. So, mm-hmm. and then baseball, perspe- or excuse me, Fangraphs did kind of a similar thing too about. The correlation and it's crept up to like K variation in tw- is t- early as two thousand was fifteen point nine, and they have it at twenty two point four according to the fan graphs. So it, it is interesting. I thought that was fascinating because why did the the Danny Tarbles and the Jose Cansecos in the world get away with that? So you kind of you you sit back and go and think to yourself, okay. This is well, this is this is the early this is 1991. This is before home runs became a big thing, but just the significance of it all. That I mean, they're, they're talking about something. For example, he mentioned in Baseball Prospectus's article 
mentioned Bo Bichette, who put up good numbers, but they, according to Pakoda, they got him projected at 20, striking out 23.5% of the time. He might hit the ball harder and faster and even might draw more walks, but they're predicting uh, Lewis Erzia to be the most likely champion in the league. Or in the American yeah, League, Yeah, Luis Arias. Yeah, Arias. Yeah, excuse me. the Twins. Yeah. So, there, like I said, it was just maybe it could be a lot of – it could be defensive shifts. It could be, I don't know, the content. Even when we talk about the balls, but it's – the strikeouts are, you know, potential – at bats and potential production. So either way, I thought that was a, I thought that was a fascinating number. I was doing my research today that here you are thinking to yourself that I always thought that strikeout you strike out too much. You're, I mean, but they're talking about even like Barry Barry Bonds struck out more than Ozzy Smith, but he's considered a better hitter. Yeah, I mean, if, for it's been for a while now where, where people say you know strikeouts don't matter anymore. I think it was the the thing like you're it's okay. All that really means though is we know now that there are other things that can offset high strikeout rates. Like, remember, you know, Rob Deere was a joke when, when we were growing up because he was like, you know, the strikeout king, striking out all the time. But he also walked like 20% of the time and hit for a lot of power. Yeah. Which became, you know, it's the Adam Dunn profile, the Adam Dunn hat trick. Um, and that's still, if people realize that there's actually value in those types of players. But I think, like, everybody recognizes for the most part that still the most valuable players are the ones who, who walk a lot and don't strike out excessively. So like, uh, like Alex Bregman walked a lot more than he struck out last year. And, you know, I think all, all the, uh, the top hitters were probably within five or 6%, uh, you know, strikeout and walk rate. So I think generally speaking, I like to see a walk rate. That's, that's, um, at least half as much as they strike out, if not more, but, but yeah, I mean it, it, that is interesting to see that that caring about strikeouts again would be would be fun. I know that people uh, are complaining about them a lot. So yeah, and it 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 also kind of slows down. The, not, I don't want to say slows down uh, the the game a little bit, but you see it. Well, certainly. I mean, there's fewer balls in play. It, it makes it a little less uh action packed if you will yeah I, what i mean but yeah true but at the same yeah no i i mean the, only, the reason why i say it, it kind of slows down the game a little bit or it kind of like makes the game a little boring too is like if you have a team like the yankees or red sox who take a lot of pitches and mm-hmm. that's just yeah that's always that's always to me annoying sometimes too when you have those kind of games like that and then the, the strikeouts pile up and then sometimes it could speed up depending on if the pitcher's efficient not or not too so yeah but, uh, totally. yeah, so that was my inside the number this week. But before we get to the good and the bad, the ugly, we do. I did want to talk about the baseball, the MLB pipeline this week announced the Tigers were number five among minor league teams. And I wanted to address it a little bit because we've been talking about rankings since January and all the different various rankings coming out. And I could not think of a good reason why number five was appropriate for the Tigers at this point. It's, I mean, honestly, it's it's top heavy. We can he 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 ha 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 wink 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 nudge 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 yeah. about that. I mean, Alonzo Reyes comes in at number twenty. Roberto Campos at number nineteen. Like the middle of like, I know Kylie or yes, you know, Kylie had Brian Packer on his list. So from Kylie from ESPN had his yeah. had Brian Packer being the breakout, which bode well for us because we saw a lot of Brian Packer last year. But 
I, I don't know. I'm just looking at this list. I'm just I was scratching my head a little bit about Elvin. I mean, Alvin Rodriguez is not gonna, you know, uh, shake or gonna be anybody that stands out or anything. But five, I mean, quite, 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 quite generous. Quite generous. Yeah. Well, I think you know when we were talking about when we were talking, it's the opposite of Keith Law basically. I thought of a nineteen, and and I think what we talked about last week is is it just depends on how you are ranking farm systems, or what you value. Um, and it's just, it's all, it's all very, very silly uh, because, it, you know, basically, so, so if you value potential impact talent, then yeah, the Tigers have four or what, top 50 prospects according to MLB pipeline. I don't know. Right. I think maybe the Padres are the only other team that have four in the top 50. But uh, like I mentioned last week, you know, it's nice to have impact, but it's also nice to have depth and it's also have ni- nice to have upside. And that's where the Tigers fall way behind and to somebody, I think, like Keith Law uh, and maybe folding in a little bit of their developmental history. Uh, whereas the pipeline doesn't seem to care about that. They, they value guys who are, you know, give me the stars. Um, but just to, to point out how, <laughs> how dumb prospect rankings are, uh, the, the Dodgers, where do the Dodgers rank? Yeah, so... I don't know, a month into the season, presumably Gavin Lux and Dustin May, their two top-ranked prospects, will have graduated to major leaguers. And guess what? The Tigers will have a better farm system than the Dodgers then. Who in the hell would rather have that than a major league team with Dustin May and Gavin Lux on it? <laughs> it's still a bit like, it's just that, like, that's how silly it is. Like, it, it's just a snapshot in time. Dodgers number three, by the way. Yeah, so... Like I said, you you remove two of their top prospects, and suddenly their farm system isn't as good. But who cares? Because they've got the talent in the major league level. Yeah. So it's it's just it's all, I and mean, it's fun to talk about, but it's very silly, and nobody should take them seriously because you know they're moving targets, and um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what else to say about it really. It's yeah. just uh, it's like, it's fun to keep it all in perspective. I think. Oh, it is, and and not to mention, look look at the Giants. The Giants are coming in at number ten. But the Giants, I have more faith in the Giants system than the Tiger system. Mm-hmm. Why? Simply this: look what, look what they were able to do in two in almost two years in a two year time span. With basically, they looked at a pro, they looked at Yastrzemski, Mike Mike Yastrzemski, a guy who was a cast off from the Orioles and made him into a a solid major league player. I can't think of the Tigers just taking a player off a different roster and making them any better. At least I, I can't think of anything right now. So the Giants are postponing their, their – right now they don't – they're not deep at all. And they, they know, and they still have some talent probably in the lower levels. But they're able to be in number 10. I mean, their, their prospects are like in the likes of uh, Bart, Luciano, I think uh, – was it Hunter Bishop? And I think they have a pitcher in Seth Corey. Still, they, they still – but to be able to number 10 – but they have guys that at least they can go in, be serviceable at the major league level, in key positions. The Tigers right now still lack that, so I, I don't. That, that that's that's why I always like these yeah. lists crack me up a little bit sometimes too. Well, that's I mean, the Giants. I think it would, it's just kind of sort of the opposite of what the Tigers have. That the Giants have I mean, Joey Bart, who looks like a potential franchise catcher, and Marco Luciano could be the number one prospect in baseball at this time next year. Like he he is a really good young hitter. Uh, and if he sticks at shortstop, then yeah, he could be legit. Um, but they don't. Yeah, the pitching I think is a little bit light in the Giants system. They got Sean Sean Jelly, so like six foot nine, six foot ten guy, but he's more of like a back end starter. Uh, so they could use some more pitching. But you know the, the things that they've done to improve their system very quickly, I think very very quickly. They were a very bad system 
not too long ago, just like Arizona and these other teams that have in Miami, they've improved their system incredibly quickly compared to the way the Tigers have. The Tigers was like, you know, oh, they're 30th, and now they're 25th, and oh, they're 20th, and now, you know, it, it just, by these rankings, it's it's very incremental. It's basically just what they do in the draft. And these other teams have found other ways to improve more quickly. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. They're like Seattle is better than the Tigers, I think, uh, just with the 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 depth and the variation of prospects, you know, different different positions and different levels. But I don't know. We'll see it play out this year, possibly. Yeah, well, yeah, but it's I don't. Know, we'll move. We'll move on from that. But it was just I thought it was like when I saw that earlier in the week. I know some people were like, "Come on, really? Yeah, that that, that actually happened." So, but uh, anywho, it is now time for the good, the bad, and the ugly this week. There's a lot of bad. There's a lot of ugly things going on. Period. But uh, I don't, know, Chris. Uh, where where to start for something like baseball's? All the news, all everything's been depressing. So, I don't know where you want. Let's 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 stick with more good than bad, I guess. <laughs> all right. Well, I don't know if this will, this will count, but my good is creating your own sports. Uh, you know, there's not a whole lot going on for the next month, and uh, I've always enjoyed inventing sports ever since I was a kid. I don't know why. Um, at one point, I invented a really bizarre game i don't know what we called it where we we were down in my basement and we were throwing wiffle balls off the wall and you had to jump in the air and catch it and then throw it over the i-beam in my basement it somehow was worth a point i don't know what it was was it was very silly but my friends and i played it for like five hours one night uh we used to play like hand hockey in the kitchen with ice cubes which is pretty fun you could actually go literally go top shelf um and then my buddy justin and i we, we invented this game called sloan ball which i feel like i may have talked about this on the show before but it was, uh, you know, we got one of those ridiculous, like, cheap vinyl bouncy balls you get at, like, Meyer or Target or whatever. They usually have some sort of cartoon printed on them. Like, I imagine they all have Elsa from Frozen on them right now. And we just, we went into my driveway, and, and at the time, my parents' garage had, uh, there were two garage doors with, like, a column in the middle. So he took one side, I took the other, and we just had to kick the ball onto, you know, to the designated side. If it hit the other one, uh, the other person got a point. Uh, and it was just, you know, it was silly. Like, we, we would have to, the rules were you you had to kick it from where it stopped or when it started moving forward again. And you could also get some help if you were managed to put it on the roof. And the other other player in good faith would have to head it back to you and you could kick it in. Like, just silly rules. This was, I don't know, I was like 15 or something. But it was a good way to waste time. And, of course, uh, I've talked to you before about uh, walnut baseball. Of course, yeah. The Harrison Knife, which is not a game so much as just destroying walnuts with a, a metal baseball bat. My son seems to love that. But the other day we went for a walk and we kind of invented a new game. And this doesn't work for everybody because you know I live out in the the exurbs basically, and, and there, there's a good amount of distance between our houses. But we're out for a walk and we found a golf ball, and we just decided to play uh, mailbox golf, which is basically like disc golf, but instead of throwing a disc, you roll the golf ball. And you try to get it as close to your neighbor's mailbox as you can. And then you move on to the next mailbox. Uh, and that's a good way to walk around the neighborhood and kill some time. And that's what we're going to need to do for the next month or so, I think. So invent some games. I would love to hear. I, I imagine I'm not the only one who's invented games. I would uh, love to you know hear what? You other, know what? other people I, if I, they have. You know what? I'll uh, I'll jump in on this because I do. I, there's, there's three games I've played with my brother and I 
back in back in the day because even like cable or we didn't have cable till I think till our freshman year in high school. But my mom always wanted us outside. She didn't want us to be the indoor kids. And even with the, the mm-hmm. advent of video games, we we did things outside. But then when it got cold, we had to think of things to keep us entertained. So Saturday night. We mostly hockey night in Canada on CBC, mm-hmm. which why I was a Maple Leafs fan for so long, because there was a lot more Maple Leaf games than Red Wing games on, and I was a big fan of one Grant Fear, and he was a good, just I don't know why I it was just really cool. I don't know. Anyway, even with Felix Potline came aboard, I was fine with that too. But anyway, so we 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 had the mini six, and then we took instead of like you know your typical wad of tape or whatever we had a hacky sack and i would play mm-hmm. goalie and my brother and like and i would go against the two the in between the doors i think i may have talked about this before and i'd be well, goalie and i would like my my brother tee up 10, 10 shots and see if he could get anybody by me and the goal was that you couldn't get it as high as our head because it would be like to go top shelf like that every time so you had to go in between three targets between just over the shoulder on the other shoulder and then between if you went like five hole and uh, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun, and we played that. The other game was hot lava, so went to a parochial school, and we had mm-hmm. we stay. If you got on the blacktop, if you, you know uh, the parking blocks or whatever, if you got if you hit the if you hit the blacktop at all, you would melt, or you would you you know you had three tries, and if you would have to intrusively even like the other person on the other side would have to do like scare tactics or try to scare you off a little bit. So I played that quite a bit. And of course, I mean, everybody played, did you play pickle a lot? Yeah. A ton. Yeah. Pickle's awesome. We had a version of 500 too. Do you remember 500? Absolutely. Dead yeah. or alive. Dead or alive. We played, we played four square sometimes. See, I never played four square cause I didn't know how to play that. Cause we saw the four square board or the, the outline at our school. And then we had no idea how to play it. So I like, I don't think I would know how to play it now, but, we were playing it a lot in like uh, I don't know early nineties. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, like I said, it, uh, it's a good time to go out there and yeah. you don't have to invent your own games. So go out and play some games. If you don't have kids, uh, play with your friends. Yeah. Get some cornhole going on. I, I mean, you know, you don't want to hug or high five, but yeah, the, know, the, I the, think it's fine for people to get around each other. Just don't uh, make out. <laughs> like the other part of that five, the when we played five hundred, we had a version that, and like if you. You got a thousand if you drop your glove and catch it with your bare hands. So that was the ad, the added oh, bonus was like throw it up like even with well we did it mainly with baseball but sometimes with the that's how we got a thousand points with the baseball football yeah. we didn't really it's t- too easy but or uh, yeah. you ever play with a whistle football the one with the the screamer oh yeah those things yeah. are awesome man I love those things and the ones the footballs with the tails and the newer... <laughs> they were yeah, they tried to reinvent the football like a dozen times yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, get up, play some pickle. Yeah, well, so um, what's your bad, Chris? Uh, yeah, back to baseball. My bad is Kyle Funkhauser. Uh, I've already gone after Bo Burrows and Anthony Castro. They formed this kind of triad of former starters who are probably relievers. Um, but Funkhauser, I don't know, might be the most disappointing. Or the uh, he's just not very good. I, I don't mean to be like cruel or mean or minimize how hard baseball is, but he was bad this spring and he was bad last year. Six appearances, four and two thirds innings, ten hits. Eight earned runs, three home runs, uh, only one walk and seven strikeouts, which is good. But uh, yeah, man, I just like he, I, I don't have any confidence in him when he goes out there. I think we were joking uh, 
the last time he was out there, he was pitching the ninth at a tie game. I'm like, how long does it take him to blow this? And sure enough, it was, what, four batters, five batters? It's just I, I don't trust him. I think his control is like a 40 at best, and his command is like a 30. He just doesn't seem to pitch with any conviction. His breaking ball isn't consistent enough. His fastball isn't you – know, it's basically average. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I hope he can figure it out and gets better and, and find something, but I don't have a whole lot of confidence. I, I – I can see him getting removed from the 40-man roster this year pretty pretty easily to make room for one of the bigger names. So, I mean, you know, it's a bummer. But his fourth-round pick, he's already, what, 26? It's, it's, it, uh, might, it might be a wrap. It's getting late early. Yeah. I, I mean, I, you know, again, he's in the bad because he can get better. It was just spring, but this is kind of consistent with what we've, what we've seen with him from right. basically since he got to AAA. Um, and by ugly... And back to not baseball is is all the toilet paper being gone, which Thank why you. why Thank you. why toilet paper? What is? I'm, I'm I'm sure I'm not the only one who's thought this, and they probably even complained about it. But like, what what is the great fear about running out of toilet paper? I, I don't understand it. Like I I went to the grocery store tonight, and all the toilet paper is gone. There's still plenty of water available, and I'm like, <laughs> I think when facing a pandemic, I'd probably be more concerned about water and like potable or you know portable dry food type stuff but uh sure stock up on the toilet paper i guess like i, I don't understand it <laughs> like like you know not to get gross but wouldn't you know if all else fails you could just take a shower or get the hose i mean like half of the world doesn't use toilet paper like all of india and middle east they have like, hoses in buckets and stuff and it's it's kind of gross to just use paper like what who is it? The uh, I don't want to get too gross, but I'm just saying, man. Like, what? What is it? Why? What are people worried about? It's just weird. By the way, it's breaking news. Cookside uh, just tweeted out that there's coronavirus in West Michigan, and two cases where I just was three days ago. <laughs> oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh, boy. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> as, as, as you cough. Yeah, you gave it to me. Uh, I well, I certainly hope nobody we love dies and we don't die and people listening don't have loved ones die because I still can't take this as seriously as I should. It's still kind of fun to joke about, but man, it sucks. Yeah, so maybe I'm not maybe maybe I'm not going to go to work tomorrow. Maybe I'll just tell them like uh see, they said um, two women from Kent County and one adult male, all the history of international travel. A woman from Macomb with the Montaclam with the history of international travel. A woman from England County with the history of travel on a cruise. Two men from Oakland County, one with no travel history. All right, so I'm sorry to be a buzzkill, but it was just, man, all, all three people were over the age of 60 and they recently traveled to countries where the virus was present. Yeah, all right. Yeah, 10 new cases, four in West Michigan. Yep. <laughs> Lock the doors. The virus doesn't know how to turn knobs. And then Lacey says, "Yet, yeah, very yes. good, yeah, yeah." All right. Yeah. Anyway, anyways, so let's move on to bigger and better things. But uh, oh, there you go. What's up? Sorry, sorry. Governor Whit- Whitmer announces closure of kindergarten through twelve schools in Michigan from Monday, March sixteenth, through Sunday, April fifth, in response to COVID nineteen. So Easter's canceled. Yeah, and so, but they're going to school tomorrow, I guess. <laughs> So tomorrow's fine. All right. Yeah, tomorrow's fine, but no school from next Monday for the next three weeks. Well, 
all right, a whole lot of working from home. I, I, I feel very, very fortunate that I can do that. And no, no, that, that, uh, one... yeah. yeah. So no, that, we, that, be thankful for that. No, I throw, I throw that in another good. Yeah, no, I, I will throw that as a good. So yeah, let's, that's part of my good. The other part of my, the other only part of my good really was the, with the, in terms of a, a a cool stat that stood out that I saw earlier today was that Nico Goodrum is the fastest player on the Tigers sprint speed. He's twenty nine point zero feet per second. There you go. Was it, that? Uh, I thought Reyes was up there too, but yeah, I mean he, he's uh, Nico Goodrum's got a lot of uh, quality skills. Yeah, there you go. And then for the bad, we uh, there's a you have so you've had your theme for the bad. I've had my theme for the battle for third base. And and Willie uh, uh, Lugo has not he hasn't played in a couple days. Seems like he hasn't played. Yeah, I don't know if he was he was hurt a little bit or what, but yeah, I wasn't sure what was going on. But uh, the the battle for third pl- the the battle for third place. Well, the battle for third base continues and. Right now is, you know, like I said, with the season being the way it is right now, you're not really sure what the Tigers are going to do. But you had Candelario hit a home run the other day. It was yesterday, rather. He hit a home run yesterday. And it could be the part of the wind that came out. I mean, the other I know a couple of days ago the wind blew out a couple of them, including the Merritt's home one earlier last week. But I was looking for, for the for the Tigers right now, the third base battle, you know that, so now you, Paredes is going down to Toledo. So you're looking at yourself and going, okay, well, what do we have here that you see? We've seen the theme that with Mercer being in camp, he's going to be he's more likely somehow he's going to stay on the team some way, shape, or form. Even if you talked about how the veterans are performing today, which also could be epic foreshadowing for these guys to stick around. But Lugo on the spring right now in 21 plate appearances. He is batting 238. His slash line is 238, 238, 286. And he is. Mm-hmm. Yep, there we go. <laughs> He's gotten two. No sp- walks, one double. Yep. One double. Yep. And he has got an RBI. So there you go. I mean, no no walks, but hey, strikeouts. Let's well, strike out twice. Okay. I mean, you know, whatever that means. So for Candelario. So we're all rooting for Candelario because we think he's a better player. His spring stats right now in 28 plate appearances, he's four for 28, two home runs, three RBIs, eight strikeouts, and no walks. Not one single walk, which is one of his pluses. So now you look at, okay, well, well Roger, what about Jordy Mercer? Where, where does he stand in all this and against uh, minor league fodder, if you will? Well, in 18 plate appearances, he is he's five for 18. He's got one home run. Four RBIs, he's batting a robust 278 with six strikeouts, and he leads the third base battle with two walks. So, there you go. There is the supporting evidence that Jody Mercer could be your starting third base in whenever the season starts. <laughs> so, there you go. Yeah, well, I'm not too concerned about Candelario not walking if he's trying to find his swing in spring training, but uh, it's not a great sign. Yeah, no. that's... Uh, we were joking about it, but it wouldn't shock me if Mercer is the regular third baseman. Yeah, and 
one of those. I mean, they they don't have any. The, the other two don't want to have any options left. So we're gonna have to see one of them leave. So I'm not sure who's gonna be, but and the ugly this week goes to the Cleveland Indians because they could not get to the finish line on the extension for Lenore Francisco Lenore and Lin, Lindor. Sorry, Lindor. I said Lenore Lindor, and. They've continued to do the negotiations, no negotiations, but he wanted to. He indicated earlier in the season that earlier in the off season that's by the early March he wanted to have this whole thing wrapped up. Now with the whole virus thing going on, the discussions have been halted. This is a quote from Chris Antonetti, who is the president of baseball operations for the Indians. "Quote: I think we have a series of great challenges and try different, different." creative concepts to make things work. But ultimately, we weren't able to align at this point. We talked to Francisco just about focusing on the season at this point and then revisiting things on the road. So he's slated to make $17.5 million this year. He's under club control until the end of next year. But, yeah, Chris, this is this is ugly because, again, I mean, Indians fans, I think, are just kind of over it. But you have one of the most talented players out there who says he wants to stay in Cleveland, but they can't come to an agreement. But he could he could fetch somewhere in the neighborhood of 10, 10 years, I think even probably close to $300 million. I don't know about what you think about that. But overall, this is ugly for the Indians. Yeah, I, I just it, – it always seems like such a bummer when teams have a clear franchise player and there's just no – legitimate attempt to keep them really like i don't know it's it's hard that's got to be more frustrating for fans than anything it's one thing too like you know with the cardinals you had albert Pujols, and they made him a giant offer and then the angels just went nuts and it's like well i mean we can't compete with that it's like 300 million dollars but at least you're you know for as, as much as the tigers boned it with max scherzer uh, they offered him like $165 million and he wanted 200 or whatever and he went out and got it and good for him. But it wasn't like the Tigers just like, no, we can't afford you. It was, they gave him a solid offer. So that, that felt okay. But just to, to let players walk or trade them because, I mean, and, and maybe it's more frustrating when your team can't afford them and still does it like with the Red Sox and Mookie Betts. But it just really has to suck to be a Cleveland baseball fan. To see these uh, young players come, and I mean, how many times have we seen this over the last two decades? I mean, Cece Sabathia wins the Cy Young or whatever; they trade him away. Uh, it was uh, Cliff Lee, Cy Young, trade him away. It's just uh, Victor, Victor Martinez goes signs elsewhere for more money, or they trade him to the Boston, and then he signs elsewhere. Uh, it's just it sucks. Yeah, and the the one thing about this whole thing. You could say is that, I mean, you could say, well, do you want really want somebody to be twenty five percent or almost twenty percent of your total pay re- revenue and or total re- or total payroll? And I get that because the Indians are notorious for doing that. But this guy is a once in a lifetime player. But again, yeah. you still have to consider too what you're going to do with Ramirez, and then they still have the rotation. Well, I think that, they, I think they signed Ramirez to a long term like a team friendly deal a couple okay. of years ago. Okay. I couldn't remember if they did or not, but and that's basically what like, like is it good on Lindor for not signing one of those uh, not giving deals. In. Yeah, <laughs> we just 
<laughs> you just singing the uh, Figer song? Yeah, the not giving it. <laughs> Man, you you cannot beat local lawyers. No, They're just the crappiest music. <laughs> Eight five five Mike Williams. Take me away. <laughs> I mean, like you know what? It's it's funny. Like you talk to anybody outside of the state of Michigan, and I don't know if they like. I know at Siemens Furniture, which is part of the electric relaxation. Which when I watched the Trap Called Quest documentary. Mm-hmm. When he says Siemens Furniture, I thought he meant something else, you know, yeah. entirely. But there's a place in New York, and they played the ad where it's like Siemens Furniture, and da 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 da, and it's like, oh, okay. But Detroit literally has like you have the Mike wins, you have the Bernstein Advantage, and all their ads. But then you know, of course, uh, someone plays Kita, someone plays Kita. Like now, everybody's gonna be like. Yeah. Damn it, Roger! Now I have that song stuck in my head. <laughs> but there's so many of these catchy things. But because Drew and Mike plays, not giving, not giving in a lot, and it's always stuck oh, in my head all day. And it's it's one of their best drops. <laughs> it's honestly one of their best drops, and it's it's so good. Anyway, but uh, no, I mean I, I think <laughs> that's one unique thing uh, about the country is you go to any city, and there's going to be a couple lawyers like that. But anyway, all right. So before we end the podcast, we did have some. The idea was with Stacey to talk about some one-hit wonders because she is very, very good at just naming songs from year, like not only years but months and days of the year. It's pretty. Her, I, I think I don't know. She has a really. I forgot the name of the memory, but it's, either way, she's yeah, she's knowledgeable, eidetic memory, or whatever. She's got yeah. like yeah, photographic. She's yeah, she's got. Uh, she's really good with music. And uh, no, I was gonna. I was gonna talk to her oddly enough about all the hit songs from the 80s that are just about the end of the world, which I didn't realize until recently. But yeah, what do you know? How appropriate. Yeah, yeah. So the some of the hits or some of the one-hit wonders that some of the suggestions we had, we got quite a bit, so I wanted to make sure we named all of them here. So David. Yeah, Laurel from Fangraphs. Yeah. Okay, there we go. Thank you. He had a couple of them. He had Billy Bean. Tori Luvo. Jim Wellender. Well, yeah, who's that was a little bit before my time. Those two, the 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 first two are like late eighties. I think Billy Bean was eighty six. Same thing with Tori was like eighty six, eighty seven. So we had just one from now from uh Joe Caverman, Matt Tos T- Yeah, Tui Asasopo. Tui Asasopo, yeah. correct. That's a good call. He had a good first first uh, half of the season. Yeah, he did. He definitely did. Um so Chris Sheldon was a two apparently a two hit wonder, so he was the collective it was the candle box. Remember, like it's the beta <laughs> yeah, the end of end of two thousand five and then the beginning of two thousand six. Yeah. And and Candlebox, by the way, is the like everybody talks about them being a one hit wonder or Devo. But Candlebox had you and um Far Behind Far Behind like that one and um Uper at Uper at Uper underscore IA, Jim Slayton. Jim well, Slayton. Yeah. Uh, Matt Stairs, who was here for about a month. Let's see, <laughs> and I. But by the way, my favorite, my favorite was a good one by Mo, at Motown. Marson GB, or, or actually at Mark Market A Pernia, Fred Lynn, who was a four. I mean, everyone knows him as a Red Sox and Angel, but he was a Tiger for a minute. Oh wow! Yeah, Alex Gonzalez. Steve Lombardi, Lombardi, <laughs> who was there for like a, a second. Did he actually? I I feel like. Did they even did he even play in a major league game? I thought he was just in spring training. No, I don't think. No, I think he was in spring training. That was it. 
Let me see. Um, yeah, it is funny. Like uh, my favorite one was Bucks so far. Juan Gonzalez, Junior Felix, Juan, Junior Felix. Yeah, wow. Juan Juan uh, Ace of Jesus. Uh, Acevedo. Or no, Acevedo. No. Who is no, 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 Juan. Uh, Acevedo, yeah. Acevedo and Alex Gomez. And Gomez, I forgot about Gomez, too. He was a, he was a clutch he, player in the 06 years. Yeah, he played He he played in the World Series, yeah. I think. But, um, uh, no, the Junior Felix was a great one because I thought of him when he played at the when he played in Toronto. I hated him as a player for the reason as a kid. I don't know why. Just because he was always – he I've always felt like he, hit, like he hit the Tigers hard. And then John Cerruti, who – rest in peace, by the way – was there? He was spent his last major league season with the Tigers in '91 as a lefty reliever, and I don't know what Sparky's obsession is with former Blue Jays that he had. I mean, Cecil Fielder was one, Cerruti, Junior Felix, and I feel like there's a couple of the ones. Maybe there's another one that comes to mind. But anyway, that was interesting. Junior yeah. Felix, yeah, I remember the name. Only played for five years. Yeah, all three outfield positions. Well, my two that came to mind were Dan Gladden. Good old Dan Glenn, who was a hero for the Twins in the 91 series, but played for the Tigers for a minute. And the other one I had was Hidel Nomo. He was here for a minute and then gone the next. And he had a good season by Tiger standards because, I mean, you think about the late 90s and early 2000s where starters were, you got a four and a half ERA, you're considered good because of the. Yeah. <laughs> yeah speaking of which, that, that uh, you wanna, my inside the numbers earlier. Yeah. Nomo was one of eight pitchers from 2000 to 2010 who had was in the top 10 and strikeouts in a season with an ERA of four and a half or, or higher. He did it twice. So there you go. Good throwback. Nice. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, Nomo, and he had pretty good strikeout numbers here, too, but for whatever reason, the Tigers did not want to bring him back. So I, I'm not sure. I, I, I remember reading, too, you wanted to come back. But, Chris, what about you? I know you watched the Tigers a little – Later than I did, but I'm sure you had a couple of in there that I was thinking like some obscure well, ones. Well, yeah, I, I did a, like a statistical dive just for fun, and then I some names that I remembered. I actually, so I went back to to 1959. Eddie Yost uh, played 14 years for the Senators before coming to the Tigers, and he had never hit more than 12 home runs in a season. And in, in 1959 with the Tigers, he hit 21 and had a career best six win season, and then he was average the next year and then gone. Um, so that is kind of one hit wonder to me. And then I threw out Norm Cash, which is t- totally not fair because he was a very good player. But his 1961 season was so above and beyond anything else he ever did in his career. It's kind of insane. I don't know if we've talked about it before, but but he he hit 361 that year and never hit more than 286 in any other season. <laughs> um, and I, I think he had like a five win season before, but he he put up more than 10 wins that year. It's the best non-Ty Cobb season in Tigers history. <laughs> it's like, like I said, not not a true one-hit wonder, but just a one-season craziness. And now, of course, I think he came out later and admitted he was using a cork bat that year. Oh yeah, that's right. But uh, whatever. But then, yeah, some of the ones I actually kind of remember: Darnell Coles. Oh yeah, nice. He uh, he barely played for the Mariners for three seasons. The Tigers traded for him. Uh, tr- a trade for with Rich Monteleone. Uh, and Coles hit 270 with 20 home runs for Detroit in 86 for a 114 weighted run created plus 2.6 war. Uh, and then they traded him the next year. He played for a long time, but his career war total was negative 0.07. So he basically had that one good year and then a whole bunch of bad years. 
Uh, and then the guy I remember for sure, Milt Kyler, Milt Kyler, nice. Uh, played uh, he played a plus defensive center field, hit two fifty seven, stole forty one bases in uh, nineteen ninety one. And 90 weighted runs created plus. Not great, but if you're playing plus center field defense, that's all right. It's 3.3 war. Uh, but he never played another full season of baseball in the majors and finished with a career war of 2.9, so less than he put up in 1991. But I remember I was excited about him back in 91. Uh, and then somebody else mentioned I, I, Will Rhymes. <laughs> he had like uh, a couple months back in 2010. Uh, put up a uh, one win basically in August and September. There was some, there was some Eckstein energy there. Uh, but then he only played like 30, 40 more games in the major leagues uh, before retiring. But now he's the director of player development for the Dodgers. So, That's so... why not here? <sighs> I know, I, I know, I know. He was bitter towards his time here too. I remember him not speaking very yeah well about this time. And right, God, I hate to say it, but rightfully so. I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, they didn't. Yeah, they gave him a chance. I mean. Just not a not a whole heck of a lot of chance, but uh, and then my last one was Quentin Barry, who I think a lot of people remember. Twenty twelve was a really nice spark plug for the team in the first half of the season. In fact, one of their better players for the first half of the season. Uh, but he hit two ninety nine with twelve steals, had a one twenty four rated runs uh, weighted runs created plus in the first half of twenty twelve. But then it, it came crashing back to earth pretty hard. Two eighteen fifty two WRC plus in the second half while playing poor defense in the outfield. Um, he played 94 games for the Tigers that year. He, he still saw some more time in the majors, but only 30, like 30, 40 more games. So it was a little flash in the pan, one hit wonder, some fun that year though. And that's, uh, that's all I had. The other one I wanted to throw in there too, if you're, if you're talking about like a one hit wonder technically is Matt Noakes. I mean, Matt Noakes is 19. 19- I thought about that. Because I mean, like his 87 season, he was an all-star, hit 32 home runs, had his best Batting average of his career, 289, OPS of 880, and then that was it. And then he, I mean. Well, I mean, I thought he was okay for the Tigers at least one more year, and then he had a couple decent seasons with the Yankees. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it was, I, I remember, that was, I don't know if people just didn't, I'm sure some people realized at the time. I didn't realize as a kid that the 1987 season was just bonkers for home runs. Oh, I didn't um, know that either. Yeah, yeah, like that was the year McGuire hit 49 as a rookie, I think, and. Wally Joyner hit a bunch of home runs. Everybody was hitting a ton of home runs that year. It was the I think they called it the rabbit ball. Um, so we, yeah, I mean, a catcher who hits thirty home runs that's it's fantastic. There's the new Lance Parrish, and it just yeah it didn't work out. Yeah, I mean, old Matty Noakes. I mean, he had two back to back years in ninety one, ninety two, where he hit 20, 20 home runs. I mean, he hit twenty four in ninety one, and then he hit twenty two, but never yeah. the never that eighty seven magic season too. But I mean, this is a guy who was a throwaway. Uh, it was a throw in. Came over from the, the Giants in '85, and it was one of those minor league deals that was they traded he him Eric King gave a point for Ron Berenger, Bob Melvin to the Giants. So the Giants sent or the Tigers traded Berenger, who was part of the '84 teams. Bob Melvin, who was a, a guy who was a catcher in the Tiger system for a while, former A's manager, of course. So yeah, I mean Eric King, who was a big part of that '87 run too. As a reliever, and of course, Dave Lapointe, who had like this—I don't know—I felt like he had a mullet going. But anyway, uh, he was—he was only—he was a one-and-done guy too. Stuck around in '86, and then he left. But he wasn't really that good. It wasn't a one-hit. It wasn't a one-hit wonder. But Matt Noakes, 
we're looking at stat wise. That's a I, I would qualify for that, and I know a lot of my uh, there's a lot of people out there who love Matt Noakes. Oh, you know, just, but in reality, he had really one good season. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and on that note, uh, yeah, we're out of time. Thank you so much for listening to Tigers SRD on the Tiger Miley Report Network. Next week we'll have a roundtable. Jules, point. I'm gonna edit that out later. Posner, Posner, Jules Posner, Jules Posner will be joining us next week to talk about his article. Really good article on Lloyd McKellen and the and the hitting differences or lack of helping out some of the hitters on the team. Talk a little bit about Giants. Brandon Day from Bless You Boys will be joining us too. Probably Mark friend of the show, Mark Gurash will probably join us as well. We've got to figure that part out. But yeah, I mean. In, until the season starts, there'll still be content, whether it's baseball related or not. We'll, we'll let you know. I mean, in the off season mode, there's at least news going on, but this time it's everybody's sitting around, essentially getting playing and hanging out. So uh, I know Chip wanted to do a whole entire college baseball theme show. So marching <laughs> orders is going to be something they're going to be with. We'll have some surprises for marching orders coming up. And in terms of uh, I seventy five drive and six one six recap. Those shows will be on hiatus until we figure out what's until baseball figures out what's going on with the coronavirus. So please be careful, please be safe out there. And yeah, if we're looking for we would appreciate everybody's suggestions on their one hit wonders. And I think next week, Chris, I think so you know we need to have a discussion about hmm. the movie Juice. Juice. Yeah. You've got the juice now. <laughs> Omar Epps. Yeah, Funny Omar Epps. Or uh, is uh, is Judgment Day a good movie? With uh... Judgment Day, Dennis Leary, <laughs> yeah, Cuba Gooding, you got Emilio Estevez, yeah, you got this can- the, the fantastic can- rock rap. Yes, one of the first soundtrack. ones. Yes, I was gonna say and- De La Soul rapping over Tom Petty. <laughs> <laughs> one of the weirdest crossovers of all. You know what we can talk about next week? Weirdest crossovers of all time between rock and rap. Oh God, well, yeah, that should be. I mean, there's lots of stuff to talk about. Yeah. I encourage people not to hoard toilet paper. Yes, please. Yeah. Tell us tell us your one-hit wonders. Tell us your invented games. Yes, uh, please do. And, and we, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. Yeah, and don't, don't be like the Australian people down in Australia who are fighting over one roll of toilet paper. You do not need – yeah, re- repeat yourself. Look, if it's really that bad, use a wet nap, okay? Use a wet nap. <laughs> use a towel and then use the laundry. Like, uh, it's a gross, shit, so what, come a shit, a we're, shit we're rag? Gonna, <laughs> we'll get through – a boomba clot. We'll uh, we'll get through this. A what? Uh, well, I think I be I believe you ever heard the Jamaicans say "bumba cloth"? Yeah. Uh, I think that translates to bottom cloth. Oh, I did not know that. I think I think so. Well, I am not a Jamaican expert. Maybe somebody could correct me, but uh, anyway. Yeah, please correct them if if there's the case. Please correct <laughs> them. Also, also do yourself a favor. Get yourself a day. Don't hoard a toilet paper. There's other people out there. Or get yourself a sponge. <laughs> bucket <laughs> are the shows gone off the rails too much yes it is all right all right so, well, until then we'll see you next week <laughs>